it until they reached a certain age because the idea was it would probably confuse them an awful lot. And I know a lot of seminary students that get confused by it because it is a difficult book. Everybody with me still? Um, it takes place after the exile. Um, and in Jewish history, what's gone on at this point is you had the, the era of the kings, right? You had Saul, David, Solomon were the first three kings. And they were sort of, Saul was an awful king, and then David and Solomon were okay. And then every king that came after that was terrible. And, like, they led the nation into apostasy. They worshipped all kinds of things that weren't God. Um, and then eventually God gets tired of them, and he wipes out the country, and he sends all the people off into exile um, in Babylon. The Babylonians come and conquer Israel, and they take the whole nation away as, as, um, as captives, basically. And they resettle them somewhere else. And, and so, like, that is the context of this. The nation is in exile when Ezekiel's writing. Um, and, and so, like, shepherds are the last thing I'm going to talk about, and then we'll dive into this. In ancient literature, like, not just the Jewish folks, right, but everybody in the ancient world, even the Egyptians who hated sheep, right, which is weird. Like, the Egyptians did not like shepherds. They didn't like sheep. They had a very low opinion of them. Even they talked about shepherds, like, in a, in a very specific way. Um, they would apply the term shepherd to kings and to, to rulers. Like, it was a really common thing to do. Sometimes they would use it to talk about their gods, right? Um, it was less common except in Israel, but it did happen occasionally. Um, and so as we dive into this, like, understand shepherds are sort of a universal meta- metaphor in the ancient world. Um, and they're not quite like shepherds today. Uh, I think there are two people that raise sheep in the area, right? I know Clara does, and uh, someone else maybe, I think, because I bought a sheep from somebody. Uh, it was the Rutledges. Um, shepherding now is not like shepherding then. We have barbed wire fences, right? And we generally don't have wolves attack while we're out working. I mean, it might happen. It's apparently getting worse nowadays, but, like, it doesn't happen that often. Um, to understand shepherds in the ancient world, it was a little more like the Wild West back then, Right? Uh, it was probably more similar to the Wild West than it is to now. Because these were guys who went out into the wilderness, basically, and took care of animals and then, like, sold them at a profit. Like, they, shepherds are more like cowboys than they are pastors. Got it? Um, these were guys who fought animals. They fought bandits, right? They, they took care of their flock. They, they, like, were both hard and soft at the same time. You all with me? Um, and, and so, like, understand that's who we're talking about when we talk about shepherds. So Ezekiel 34, we're going to do the whole chunk. I'm going to try and do it right, but I'm going to try and not go to 3 o'clock. Um, let's see if I can manage that. So Ezekiel 34, 1 to 3. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. Now, this is kind of a woe um, um, message. It is a prophecy of like, oh my gosh, you guys are in trouble, right? And this is God opening up with, all right, shepherds, the day is here, you're, you're in trouble, Right? The day has come, you are, you are about to get stepped on. And, and so, like, God begins to speak to these guys. And I was trying to think of an analogy for this. Did anybody read Animal Farm in school? 
It was like three of us, really. <laughs> Did anybody see the cartoon? Um, there's a pretty good cartoon movie. And Animal Farm is, is a story about a group of farm animals who decide they're tired of their farmer and they overthrow him and chase him out and they, they take over. And the pigs, who are the smartest, decide, well, we're going to run the show because we're the smartest. And as time goes on, the smartest ones, these pigs, they begin to, like, take advantage of the other animals. They say, well, you know, we have a lot of thinking to do, so we have to, you know, get all the best food. And we have, you know, really hard work to do, so we deserve extra comfort. And so we're going to get a little bit extra. And over and over again, like, they sort of just cheat everybody around them, and they they build themselves up, and they live in comfort and wealth, and eventually they move into the farmhouse, and they live higher on the hog than everyone else. There's a pun there. Um, they, they just, you know, they, they set themselves up because they can. And, and in the end, like, the, the farm animals figure out that the sh- pigs have become man, like they become exactly what they weren't supposed to be, um, thus deriving men are pigs. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> Uh, it's really a story about communism. I'm not going to get into that. Um, the, the, the idea here is these shepherds, these people that God appointed to lead over his nations, these rulers, instead of taking care of the people, they have taken advantage of them, right? They collect taxes and they use the taxes to eat well. They um, see the, the, the sheep that are you know, of advantage to them and they take advantage of them. The ones who are not doing well, they don't take care of them, right? Um, and so, like, like, God comes out and he says, hey, you guys have gotten fat not taking care of my people. You have gotten fat, like, feeding on my people. You have not done your jobs. You've done the opposite of your job. Your job was to lead and to care for. And in the end, like, you haven't done it. And a little differentiation. We all sort of know, or most of us know about cattle, right? Like, you... You drive cattle. I, I had a great time watching Larry and Ann move cattle when I was out there earlier this year, out in the sub-zero weather. And they have ATVs, and they drive around, and the cows are not real fond of ATVs, so they kind of run away from them, right? And they sort of, like, chase them to where they're going. It's an organized chase. Is that about right? Sheep are a little different. You chase them, but you lead them. If you chase sheep, they won't always go where you want. A big chunk of getting sheep to do what you want is to get them to understand your voice, like hear your voice, be familiar with you as a friend, and then they follow you because they know you, right? Sometimes you've got to, you know, kick them a little. Um, sometimes you've got to drive them. But for the most part with sheep, you can't drive sheep like you drive cattle. You lead sheep. And so, like, like he's criticizing these guys because they haven't led the sheep. They haven't cared for them. Um, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with the force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Now, in ancient Israel, what's going on is the, the kings and the priesthood, these guys are awful. And they're not leading the, like God's people properly. And so they're dispersing, they're, they're following other gods, they're falling into sin, they're like spiritually dead. And then ultimately, like, like they end up in exile. 
because they didn't lead properly. They end up way off in Babylon, like somewhere else where they weren't meant to live. And they, they get cast out. And God is calling out the leaders of Israel for this. Hey, it is your job, and you didn't do it. It was your job to do these things, and now the, now the people are scattered. Now they're everywhere. It was your job to find people who were broken and heal them. It was your job to find people who needed direction and give it to them. It was your job to do these things. And instead, you saw these people, and instead of helping them, you, you did the opposite. Um, now, this is specifically an indictment against the leaders of Israel, the kings of Israel and the priests and all that. But we're going to kind of bring it out of that context a little bit as Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, right? These are folks who are wealthy and well-to-do, and Jesus is very critical of them. He says, hey, you know what? You find people who will be your followers, and then you dump a bunch of rules on them. And, like, you love to take the best seat so folks will recognize how great you are. You see sinners and you condemn them, but you don't lead them back. You know, you see the broken and you don't heal them. You look down on them and you announce judgment on them. Like you are doing the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be calling folks out into repentance and to reunion to God. Um, and so, like, like in context, that's why we're looking at this. God is calling these people out, and we see very similar stuff happening when Jesus talks to these folks, talks to the Pharisees, talks to the religious leaders at the time. Um, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not scattered or searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. So God comes out and he says, hey, you screwed up. You done screwed up. You're in trouble now. The day is here. Like you are, it is over. And he says, I'm going to take care of it. First, I'm going to take care of you. Um, and there's a bunch of this stuff, and it sounds weird when you read it. Like, as sure as I live, this is like indications that God is furious, right? I mean, like beyond mad, furious. Uh, I remember when I worked at the children's home, you'd see these, these young, tough guys who weren't actually all that tough. And they would want to scare you, but like they weren't scary. And they would swear on everything in the world. On my mom, I will knock you out. Well, you weigh 80 pounds. (laughs) But but they would swear on everything like as a way of enforcing this. Like God is furious, and it's a little bit the opposite. The people who are supposed to be his leaders aren't afraid of him. And now God comes out and he says, you know what? As sure as I am alive, you are in trouble. As long as I'm here... I'm going to chase you down and punish you for failing to do what you're supposed to be doing. And we see this with Jesus dealing with the Pharisees, where he calls them out and he says, you know what? You you steal my people. You steal from them. You aren't drawing folks to God. You're making it harder for them to come to him. And, you know, I'm going to take my sheep away from you. And that was the biggest thing that the Pharisees had against Jesus. He was a threat to their power. Like, he took their authority away, and they, they... like lost everything ultimately, you know, because Jesus like took it from them. Um, For thus says the Lord, behold, I, 
I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. Now you hit pause there. Anybody ever been lost? I mean, not just like like on a road map lost, because every man in the room should have his arm up then, but I mean like lost, where you wake up one morning and you think, how did I screw my life up this bad? You know what I'm talking about? Or how did I get this confused about things? Or how did I let things get this far? Um, these are like, like that's what he said. We're these sheep who are that lost. And God says, I myself will search for my sheep and I will seek them out. And this is huge because this is like one of the spots in the Old Testament where God comes along and he says, I will be a shepherd to my people. I'm going to go find them. I'm going to gather them up and I'm going to bring them home. He doesn't say, I'm going to send someone to do it for me. He doesn't say, I'm going to find new leaders. He doesn't say, I'm going to elect a new party. He doesn't say, I'm going to like have a, a big political revolution, and that's what's going to happen. He says, I am coming, and I am going to take care of it. Um, and actually, this is one of those passages where, like, uh, I lost my glasses. Um, in, in John 10, this is one of the longest shepherd passages in, in um, Jesus' uh, teaching. Uh, the thief, therefore, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Sounds like the, the shepherds are supposed to be watching over his people, right? I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is hired, who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Um, what Jesus is talking there, what's go- talking about there, what's going on is Jesus steps up and says, "Hey, you know what? I'm here for my people. I." I'm here to collect them up. And it's kind of a fulfillment of this Ezekiel passage where God says, you know what? I know my people are lost. I'm going to go get them. Jesus shows up and says, you know what? I know my people are lost. I'm here for them. I'm going to collect them up. And actually he does that. He like lays his life down on us, for us. He dies on the cross, takes punishment for our sins, like gives us a new life like through his like death and resurrection. And he gives us a new direction and calls us back to God like like. God himself came and collected up his sheep. Like as long as we are lost, as long as our neighbors are lost, the only way back is for him to collect us up and walk back with us. And sometimes that's unpleasant and sometimes it's very pleasant. Sometimes it's a little like me finding the the three-year-old on the tricycle, right? You know, oh, hey, shouldn't we be going this way? Let's go. Come on. You know, and turn the tricycle around and head the way she's supposed to be going. Sometimes it's like that for us. We wander a little bit, and God turns us around gently and walks us where we're supposed to go. Sometimes it's more like he picks us up and hauls us back, right? But God comes and seeks us out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among the sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. Um, What he's talking about here is he's talking about bringing them back and caring for them. He's not going to just gather them back up and hire new shepherds. He's going to take them back and he's going to feed them. 
He's going to take them back and he's going to watch over them. He's going to take them back and he's going to mend their hurts and heal their broken hearts and make them whole. And part of what he, I mean, like in context, this is talking about Israel. And eventually what happens is Israel comes back and they're resettled into the promised land. But the real promise here is no matter how far you go, God will bring you back when the day comes. No matter how lost you get, no matter how bad you screw up, like you cannot escape him. You cannot escape his vision. You cannot escape his view. And actually, like Paul tells us, I'm convinced neither height nor depth nor angels nor demons nor anything in heaven above or or hell below, like nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. And that's what this promise is. Like you cannot escape me. I will find you and I will bring you home. And that is a wonderful promise, isn't it? Um, Like the shepherd who looks for the one and leaves the 99, right? You know, he goes and he finds you. And he brings you home. And when you come home, he has a party that you're back. Not a scolding session for how rotten you were. Right? Like, God loves you that much. I will feed them in good pasture. It sounds a little like uh, Psalm 23, doesn't it? And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. They shall lie down in good grazing land. And on rich pasture they will feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be a shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injuries and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong and I will dis- excuse me and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Now that line there that he's talking about the folks that have taken advantage of the flock. He says these guys, these guys who have got everything and are neglected like, they're going to face me, but everybody else, I'm going to take care of them. Um, and, of course, in this context, he's talking about, like, the leaders of, of ancient Israel. And then, like, in Jesus' context, he's talking about the proud and the arrogant and the, those who take advantage of God's people for their own gain. Um, As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep between rams and male goats, and it is not enough for you to feed the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture and drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet. And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet. Now watch this. What he says, he turns around and he starts talking to the, 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 the leaders, these guys the, that have kind of taken advantage of the rest of the people. is like, hey, is it not enough that you drink water, but you have to, like, mess up the pool, right? You ever see that? Like, uh, my kids will do that, where they'll have, like, like Titus. You put Titus near a cake, and he's going to get his piece of cake, but he's going to stick his hands in every other part of the cake that he could possibly get his hands into, like, before he's done eating. Because, like, it's not enough that he has his cake. He's got to eat the frosting off the rest of it, Right? it's not enough that he gets his piece, like he's going to take a little bit of everything. And what he's criticizing, what Jesus is criticizing the people for here, he's saying, listen, not only are you taking for yourselves, you're spoiling everything for everyone else. Um, We see this with the Pharisees, where the Pharisees are um, like drinking in God's goodness, and they're, they're in his flock, but then they take the rules and they say, well, you know, not working on the Sabbath, that's supposed to be a gift, right? Like the Sabbath rule, a lot of us don't follow it. What it's supposed to be is God tells us take a whole day off to do nothing. Like take a whole day off to rest. Don't clean your house. Don't do anything like that. Just hang out and rest and enjoy life. One day a week, that's what I'm telling you to do. 
but like the Pharisees came along and they're like, hey, you know what? If you make your bed, we might stone you to death. And, oh, yeah, hey, I know that, like, maybe you're hungry, but it would be better for you to be hungry than to eat on the Sabbath, like, by gathering up food somewhere. Don't gather food, just starve. Well, wait a minute. You know, what if I want to go visit my mom? How far does she live from your house? Because if she lives too far, it's a sin to go see her. Well, what? You know, (laughs) how does that make sense? But what they had done was they took God's law and they made it, they ruined it, really. They made it into, like, a burden, a thing to hate. And, and heck, we see this in the church today. Like, Jesus is a blessing to us. Jesus is an amazing gift. And we turn him into a weight sometimes, don't we? Or a club to hit each other with. Um, we do it. But in reality, we're supposed to be calling folks to the clear water to drink with us. We're supposed to be calling, us to the, calling folks to, like, like, the good shepherd who will care for them. And a lot of times we turn that into something that it isn't. Um, Jesus calls us to rest. He calls us to be with him. He calls us to know God and love him and be made into what we were meant to be, be renewed by his blood. And like a lot of times we ruin that. Um, the Pharisees did it. I'm sure there's a long tradition of religious folks ruining Jesus for, for I don't know, I don't even know why. Um, but Jesus calls him out, or God calls him out. Hey, it's coming. You're in trouble for this. Um, Therefore, thus says the Lord to them, behold, I I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. He says, listen, I know who's screwing up, and I'm going to come and take care of you. That's kind of terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> it's really terrifying. Um, because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over one a shepherd, my servant David. This is talking about Jesus, by the way, because Jesus is like the good shepherd. And he's also the second David. Um, Like David was the second king. He was a great king. And Jesus comes along and he becomes a king of his people. And he's talking about, I'll set one of them up, like my shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. And Jesus feeds us. He cares for us. He loves us. He dies for us. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. My servant David shall be prince amongst them. And Jesus is that to us. He is our, he is our prince of peace. He is our ruler. He is our mighty God. I am the Lord. I have spoken. Um, I will make with them a covenant of peace, and I will banish wild beasts from the lands. Now watch this. This is where the promises come, and they're awesome. Right? He says, listen, I'm going to make a contract with my people. You become my people, and we're at peace. Right? I'm not going to mess with you. I'm not going to dump fire on your head. I'm not going to, in fact, I'm going to protect you from that stuff. Um, I'll banish wild beasts from the lands. We don't have this problem as much. I guess in cities it's a little worse. My, my folks live in Reno, and they have this huge problem right now with coyotes. I said it right. Um, coyotes are so out of control there, they're attacking people. Um, like in broad daylight, and the emergency vet clinics are getting a dozen-plus cases a week of animals being attacked by coyotes because there are just lots of them, and they've gotten really aggressive, and they'll climb privacy fences to get it like a shih tzu or, or whatever, and, and, like, they're attacking everything. And people are actually kind of genuinely afraid because coyotes are overrunning their town, right? I, they, we don't have that problem here because I think people shoot them, And and that keeps it from being a problem, right? And that's a little like what God is promising here. Hey, don't worry about it. 
I'm going to take care of the wild animals, right? It'll be a little more like Montana and a lot less like that. Um, but it was a real issue back then. And in fact, actually, I, I'm guessing you'd jump back about 100 years and occasionally people would be eaten by grizzly bears, right? I mean, I know like there's, there's a good strategy. You run into a grizzly bear, you lay down and play dead because it'd be practiced for about five minutes later when you're actually dead. Like, <laughs> like, but God is the king and the shepherd that comes along and says, I'm going to take care of all of this garbage. And I'll protect you from it. And a lot of Christians live in fear, right? We live in constant fear that we're in trouble or God's going to step on us or whatever. But like in reality, like, like God has delivered us from all of this stuff. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid when we stumble and fall because like Jesus already died for that. We just get up and go back to following him. We don't have to be afraid that like, like something is going to wreck our lives because if our life falls apart, God has got something better in mind on the other end. And that sounds crazy. I'm not trying to preach prosperity or anything like that. I am saying God has a plan for you. And so even if things don't look right, he's going to take care of you. You just got to trust him. There's a saying in, in AA, right? Like there is a God and I am not him, right? And that's the covenant of peace that God gives us. We can trust that he's in control and he's going to take care of us. Health, money, everything. Like we don't have to be afraid because he's slaying all the wild beasts and taking care of them. So they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will send down the showers in their seasons. By the way, who's praying for rain nowadays? And God's promise is I'll take care of you when the time comes. I will water your life with my spirit when the day comes. I will take care of you. I got you. You don't have to sit and worry. You don't have to like, like suffer and like die thinking, oh, what's going to happen tomorrow? Because God is going to take care of you. That's the agreement he makes. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield its increase, and they shall be secure in their land. And they will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who enslave them. Um, now, real quick before we jump into that, like breaking the bars of their yoke. Um, anybody ever been stuck with something? Like stuck with a burden you carry in life? You get a screwed up relationship or you get an addiction or you get this or you get that. You get all this garbage that weighs you down. Like and what Jesus is talking about here is freeing us from that. Freeing us from like, like being burdened by our, our anger over past stuff that's happened or our resentment over people who've kind of cheated us or screwed us over in the past or whatever. Like, like Jesus is promising to deliver us from that. And how does he deliver us? He, well, he makes us new people. He recreates us into what we were meant to be. Like he delivers us from our past and makes us his children. Um, and that's a gift beyond words. They shall no longer be prey to the nations, nor shall the beast of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely, and none shall make them afraid. And I will provide for them renewed plantations, so they will no more be consumed with hunger in the land, and no more suffer the reproach of nations. And they shall say that I am the Lord their God, and with them, am with them. Um, and they, excuse me, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. You are my sheep, human sheep in my pasture, and I am the God. I am your God, declares the Lord God. There's a long chunk of passage, but I wanted to kind of get through the whole thing because the whole thing paints a picture. I'm going to call my guys forward. This is the Sunday, the first Sunday of the month we do uh, the Lord's Supper. And 
he kind of closes there. He says, listen, you're never going to be hungry, right? I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to feed you. You're never going to be thirsty. I'm going to give you something to drink. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. 